0: welcome to goal setting and the glory of god in this course we're going to be talking about the practice of goal setting and how to do that in a way that most honors god if you don't know me my name is reagan rose i am the creator of redeeming productivity i teach about productivity from a christian worldview through my blog, my books, my podcast, and online courses, and my membership program, Redeeming Productivity Academy. I'm also a Bible teacher. I received my master's of divinity from the master's seminary, and I teach Christians about productivity. That's my whole thing. But in this course, we really just want to zero in on one specific aspect of productivity, and that's setting goals. You know, we all set goals. We set goals for our career, for our health, for our finances. Hopefully we even set goals for our spiritual condition. You know, we want to be growing in the things of the Lord, but few of us have ever sat down to consider how you effectively set goals and how do you create the systems that are going to support those goals so you actually reach them. And even more importantly, too few of us, I think, consider how we should think about our goals as Christians such that they would align with our chief purpose, which is to bring God glory. And so that's what we want to tackle in this course. We want to deal with not just how to set goals. We are going to do that. You're going to get a lot of practical stuff on how to set goals, but specifically, how do you set goals as a Christian, as someone who has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ? Because the Bible does say something about setting goals. And there's a lot we can glean so that we are better at setting goals. And we're always doing it in a way that doesn't just help us to reach our little goals, but to glorify God all along the way. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with this question. Question one is what is the chief end of man? And the answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's what we're all about. That's what we're here for bringing God glory with our lives. And not just the part of our lives that are at church or the part of our lives when we're reading the Bible in the morning, but every single aspect. And I'm convinced that productivity is a way in which we steward our lives to bring God more glory and goal setting is a very big part of being productive. So how is it that Christians can glorify God, magnify him as our chief end and do it through how we set goals? That is what we're going to talk about in this course. And I'm very excited that you've decided to join us. Let's get into it. Now, many of you are taking this course as part of the Redeeming Productivity Academy. If you don't know what that is, Redeeming Productivity Academy is a membership program, wherein you get new courses like this every month. You get to join in with a really awesome community of other productivity minded believers and lots and lots of other stuff. But each of these courses that we do actually fit into an overarching curriculum. So if you're taking this course as a one off, that's fine. You're going to get a ton out of it. But some of you are doing this as part of the academy. But I want to show you where we're at on our roadmap. If you're part of our academy, you know that we are going through what's called the productivity voyage. And it all centers around this idea that it's as if you have been thrown into an ocean of overwhelm, overcommitment, too many tasks, too disorganized, and you can't keep your head above water. You want to be productive, but you don't know how to just even catch a breath. So in stage one, we dealt with things like theology, spiritual disciplines. We talked about the five pillars of Christian productivity. In stage two, we talked about bailing. So it's like you've learned to tread water, you've gotten up and into the boat, but the boat has a leak. It's constantly sinking. So you're always bailing water out of it. That's why it's a bucket. And in there we talked about issues concerning time management. How do you resist the temptation to overcommit, to take on more than you can reasonably do. Even if you are productive, those are the sort of things we've been dealing with throughout our voyage. But now we come to stage three, which is navigating. So imagine you're in the boat, Uh, it's not sinking. You've patched the holes. Where are you going? You've got your tasks under control. You've learned to, uh, think properly about this whole productivity thing but you're just sitting still, you're not going anywhere. So in this stage, we're talking about goal setting, which is what this course is about. And we'll also be talking about decision-making. How do you actually chart a course? How do you set your compass? How do you aim your life, aim your productivity in a way that's going to most honor God? That's what we're all about in this course today. All right, so now let's talk course objectives. What do we wanna accomplish in this course? Well, we want to establish a biblical mindset for setting goals. How should we think about goal setting as Christians? Does the Bible have anything to say about this? How does this fit into our worldview? We also want to define a simple, repeatable process for setting and achieving your goals in a God honoring way. We also want to map your life's responsibilities into helpful categories. Now I've touched on this in previous courses, but have never gone into it. This idea of domains of stewardship, how do you organize your goals around the different areas of your life so that, you know, you're not only making progress in your, your health and not making progress in your spiritual life, or you're not progressing at work and missing out on relationships, but how do you set goals in every area of life? And lastly, we're going to help you create goals within each of those categories. I'm going to give you a framework for doing that. And hope you'll be able to walk out of this with an actual written plan of action. So hopefully that sounds good because that's what we're going to do. Now, one thing that comes up when you bring up the topic of goals, if people have read much productivity stuff, if you're into this, uh, genre of literature, this question comes up again and again, and that's aren't goals pointless. Shouldn't we not be setting goals? This actually is more frequent than you might think. If you haven't heard this before, there's a kind of a uh, anti-goal setting movement in the world of productivity. And they have some valid reasons, actually. And so I want to, before we get into addressing how to think about goals as a Christian, I want to deal with this one specific subject. And that is, are goals pointless? Should we even be setting goals to begin with? And so here's some of the arguments people put forth sometimes. In fact, I, I pulled some of these headlines, uh, just searching around. Cause these are the types of things that I've come across lots. Why goal setting is pointless. Um, you know, five reasons you shouldn't set goals at all. Why are they are useless? You know, the best goal is no goal. Successful people don't use goals. If you've ever read much about goal setting, you've probably come across people who are very anti goal. So let's kind of examine some of the reasons they put forth and see if we can, uh, evaluate whether this is a legit argument or not, if maybe we shouldn't be setting goals. So here are some of the potential problems with goals, and I've kind of, uh, synthesized these and condensed down the most common arguments I've heard from people that are kind of anti-goal setting. So the first potential problem with goals is that you might be trying to control what you can't control. So for example, maybe your goal is I want to be a millionaire. And now there are things you could do to try to become a millionaire, but ultimately you're not really in control of that outcome, right? You could do everything right. And still not walk out at the end of however long as a millionaire. And so some people contend that, why would you set a goal? Uh, especially when so many of our goals have to do with things that we can't actually control. The next potential problem with goals is that they are frequently disconnected from a larger purpose. The idea is, you know, once you reach your goal now, what, right? There's no larger purpose. So if your whole world was, let's go to the example of making a million dollars. If your whole world was around, I want to become a millionaire. What happens when you become a millionaire? Well, now what do I do? You know, Alexander wept for, there was no more worlds to conquer. Right? If, if you set up these individual goals in your life as your chief end, you are going to be disappointed. So that's a legit concern, but that should just modify how we approach goals as we'll see. And the next one is that goals just stress you out. Right? You, you have this thing that you're chasing after and you're so anxious about it and you're always thinking about it. It can really make you anxious. And even as Christians, we should sympathize with this potential problem with goal setting, because we're not supposed to be anxious. You know, Jesus said, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't set goals. Don't, don't even think about tomorrow. Don't have any sort of ambition beyond today. That's what Jesus is saying, right? No, I don't think so. As we'll see, there is plenty of room in the Bible and pretty uh, lots of examples of goal setting presented as a good thing. Jesus wasn't saying that you should cut out of your life. Anything that could potentially make you anxious. He's saying, don't be anxious. So it's about your attitude, not about the specific thing of thinking or planning for tomorrow. And last on this list is that goals just can make you unhappy. Goals make you unhappy. This is actually probably the most common argument that I've seen against goals is that as people chase goals, they're never happy because you're all, you're either always chasing after this thing. And so you're never really satisfied because you're not gonna be satisfied until you get there. But then even when you do get there, you're not satisfied because your life is sort of lost purpose. Cause now you can't chase that thing anymore. And I do, I think this is a legit concern. There's this quote by John C Maxwell, where he says, disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. And so I illustrated this here. This is the gap. The disappointment gap is what people often refer to it in shorthand. So you have this expectation, right? That I'm going to reach this goal and then I'll be happy. Right. But reality is never what expectation is and so it's the same thing in relationships or anything in life you know when we build something up in our minds and we actually get there often we're disappointed because it's not exactly what we hoped it would be and the issue with goals in this regard with disappointment is actually twofold because you can uh be disappointed in two ways. You could be disappointed when you actually meet your goal. Say you get it, you fulfill that dream you've always had and you get the boat or you finish the project or you go into business for yourself or you reach retirement, whatever your big goal is, but then you've got there and the actual, um, experience is not as satisfying as you thought it would be. You thought that thing, that goal, when you reached it would make you happy and fulfilled but there was a gap between your expectation and reality, so you're disappointed. But this can also happen all along the way as you're trying to reach your goal, is you're never happy because you're always striving, always striving, always striving. And especially if you actually end up in the end failing to meet your goal, say you fail to do it, well then you're gonna be unhappy because again, expectation didn't meet reality. And I think this is a legit uh, concern as well, is if you put all your stock into your goals, man, yeah, you you will probably be disappointed whether you reach them or don't reach them. But again, as we're gonna see in just a little bit, I don't think the issue is with goals. I think the issue is our attitude towards goals. If you hold up your goal as this sort of idol, yeah, you're gonna be disappointed. But if you see goals as a vehicle or just a waypoint to get you more towards what uh, we're meant to achieve as Christians, which is to bring glory to God with our lives, then you're not going to be disappointed. Whether you fail or not at the goal, or whether you reach it or not, it's not about the goal, it's about where the goal is leading. So, are goals pointless? No, I absolutely do not think goals are pointless. I believe that when done correctly, goals can be tremendously clarifying, tremendously motivating, and tremendously God honoring. So, I am pro goal. And this course is going to be pro goal, but it all begins with having the right attitude and the right way of thinking about goals, because here's the truth about goals, we all have goals. The people that are anti-goal are not being realistic in my mind. Whether you state your goals or whether they're clear or not, we all have things that we're trying to accomplish, whether it's saving for retirement or just making it through the week, just trying to make ends meet, whatever it is, there's always something you're after. Otherwise you wouldn't even be alive. So everybody has goals and you can't avoid that. And the truth is also that we all, we need goals. We need them to give us purpose, to keep us focused and on mission with our lives. God designed us to be a conquering people, to be people that, that seek dominion in this world. We love to overcome obstacles. We love to challenge ourselves and see ourselves grow. That's part of being human. That's part of God's design for us. And it's a beautiful thing. Goals are part of that. And here's the big truth. Without goals, you are literally aimless. Without goals in your life, you are headed nowhere. If you genuinely tried to live a life that was totally free from having goals, your life would be literally meaningless. And so goals are good. Goals are necessary. Goals are part of having a purpose in this world. So no, the problem isn't goals themselves. Goals are good. They're necessary and we should have them. The problem with goals comes when we put our faith in our goals instead of in God. I'll say that again, the problems with goals only come when we put our faith in those goals instead of in God. If you make your little goal, whatever that is, if you make that your ultimate purpose, you will be disappointed. You will be anxious and yes, you will be unhappy, but setting God honoring goals with the right attitude. Can make a massive, massive difference in what you accomplish with this brief life. And so I say goals are just another way for us to steward our lives for the glory of God, but we've got to handle them correctly. So now let's turn to thinking biblically about goals. Okay, now let's talk about thinking biblically about goals. How exactly should we think about goals? Where do they fit into our theology? What does it mean for us to set a goal and do it in a way where we're not putting our faith in that goal, but actually keeping our faith in God? I think this begins by having very, very clear in your mind what I would call the goal of goals. Why are we setting goals in the first place? And this goes back to what I was saying before about some of the concerns people have with goals about them being disconnected from your ultimate purpose. That is bad. We have to connect them to our ultimate purpose. And as Christians, thankfully, we're very clear on what our ultimate purpose is. Our ultimate goal is the glory of God. Again, like we talked about with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, what's the chief end of man? Chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Chief end is just a fancy way of saying that's your purpose. That's your goal. That's what you're here for. So we already know what our main goal is. That's like such a huge leg up. And I think Christians sometimes forget that is we know what we're about. More than anyone else. You know, so many people don't know where they're going in life. They don't know what they're, they feel adrift. They feel like they don't have purpose. You know, your purpose. You were made for the glory of the King of Kings. Knowing your purpose is an amazing blessing of being a Christian. Not only are our sins forgiven, not only do we have eternal life, not only are we adopted as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, but we've got a mission that's so valuable. That's so important. So our main goal, yes, it is to glorify God. That's what we're here for. Our ultimate goal is to glorify God. We talked about this in uh, the five pillars of Christian productivity. If you took that course with us, we said that you exist to glorify God. That was pillar two, that that is the purpose of all of our productivity. And so this is a way in which goals differ, how we handle goals as, as Christians differs from the world. The world says, be productive so you can be successful, but the Bible says Glorify God in all that you do. And my argument here, very specifically from that pillar is glorify God in your goals. That's why you set goals. All of them should be run through the grid of how will I glorify God with this goal, no matter what it is, whether it's losing weight finding a new job or whatever, run it through that grid. And we're going to talk about exactly how to do that in a moment. So our ultimate goal is the glory of God. We don't do that by accident though. We have to deliberately aim at that goal of bringing God glory. You will not do it by accident. The apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. You notice that Paul did not think about his Christian life as a passive endeavor. He didn't think about it as though he were just waiting around for heaven No, he had work to do, and he was going to do it. That requires focus. It requires straining. It requires a fixed, clear goal. Without that crystal clear in your mind, how am I specifically right now? What am I working towards to glorify God with? If you don't have that clear in your mind, you're going to get distracted by a million different things. The apostle Paul had that clear in his mind, and we can too. Even though your goal will probably not be exactly like the apostle Paul's. I mean, your specific life goal, you are going to glorify God, just like Paul did. But the way in which you do that might not be by being an apostle of Jesus, it might be through your job or through raising your family or through shepherding your church. There's lots of different ways we can do that, but in all of them, we should have clear in our mind, what is the goal? What is it we're aiming at? And how does that fit into our greater purpose of glorifying God with our lives? In my mind, the purpose of Christian productivity is to train ourselves to be as faithful as we possibly can be in this life so that God receives more glory and we receive more reward for our faithfulness. In this way of thinking about our purpose and keeping that at the forefront of our mind, it has an effect on every other goal that you set in your life. And so every goal that you make should be subordinate to that chief goal. The way you make God's glory, your chief goal is by intentionally making sure every goal you have in life, isn't being elevated to replace that chief goal whatever it is you're chasing after what it is you want for your career, for your family, or for whatever, if you want to get married or something, whatever this is, you have to be careful not to idolize it. And the way that you would idolize it would be to set that up as your chief aim. That way leads to disappointment. That way does not lead to glorifying God with your life. And so we have to deliberately subordinate these goals. Again, quoting from the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. With your goal is just to get the lawn mowed tomorrow or to finish that project at work or just get through the laundry, any goal, whatever it is you're aiming for. What Paul is saying is you should deliberately think in terms of how do I do this to the glory of God? I love the way that John Piper said it. He said, if I'm drinking this orange juice, I want to drink it to the glory of God. How much more true of the goals and the ambitions we have in life. The driving motivation behind our goals should be to make God look good. One of my favorite quotes, I think I shared this in our workshop we did on planning for your new year. This comes from the Puritan writer, Thomas Watson. He says, the glory of God is a silver thread, which must run through all our actions. I love that. No matter how big or how small, there's this little silver thread that connects them all. That's what he was saying, is everything you do in this life is connected. And it's connected to this chief purpose of bringing God glory. The, the way that you will meet with disappointment in this life and the life to come is if you chop your life up into little fragments where you have all these, you have these disconnected goals. You say, well, I just wanted that thing. So I went for it, but you didn't think You didn't think intentionally, how does that thing I want? How does that thing I'm aiming for one, does it glorify God? And two, how can I chase after it in a way that glorifies God? So yes, every goal has to be deliberately subordinate to our chief goal of glorifying God. And lastly, success in our sub goals should be evaluated based on whether they contributed to that goal of goals that was kind of a mouthful the way that I wrote it down. But what I mean is the way that you know, whether you were successful in your goal or not is actually evaluated differently than just on the basis of whether you met that goal or not. So like, say for example, you had a goal of, um, remodeling your garage. Okay. You really want a place for all the tools and you want to hang the bikes from the ceiling and just get that place looking really good. Um, Normally the way that you would evaluate whether you achieve that goal is whether you actually finished doing it, right? I mean, that makes sense. And of course we should try to finish what we started. But when you think about goals in terms of glorifying God with them, it actually leaves this space for the goal itself to morph in the process. So it could be that in the midst of remodeling your garage, you get sidetracked because a neighbor comes over asking you about it and talking, and you end up not being able to finish that project by the time you hoped you would, but instead, because your mind was focused on how do I glorify God most through this, instead you remodeling your garage actually became an opportunity for you to share the gospel with your neighbors. Now I would call that a success. Because the way that this glory-focused mode of goal setting works is it's flexible enough to understand that every goal is just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle towards that chief end of bringing God glory. And so the plan can change. Even the goal can change. But success is measured by faithfulness. Was I faithful to that chief goal? So maybe the garage never got done, but you have a new brother in Christ. I'd say that's a win. But if you get so myopic and so focused on success means I have to finish this, you will just walk by opportunities to glorify God in ways that he's providentially bringing your way because you're not thinking about it right. You're getting too focused uh, on the individual thing you're doing and missing the forest for the trees. So that's why I say success in our sub goals should be evaluated based on whether they contribute to that goal of glorifying God. So here's kind of just a way to illustrate that if God's glory is our chief end or our chief aim, we should put that at the top and everything else is subordinate to it. Every goal is just a way that we're contributing to that chief goal in the same way that tasks make up a project goals, make up the individual elements of how we'll bring glory to God with our lives or how we intend to bring him glory. And what's so amazing about this way of thinking is it impacts two things. I kind of alluded to this a bit earlier. It impacts what type of goals we actually choose, right? So it it involves us praying in the planning process, exercising wisdom. It means that you're not just going to go after any old goal. Because you're thinking in terms of, wait, wait, wait. this goal has to line up in some way. I have to have some way of glorifying God through it. And so it, it very well can be that there's many things that you want to do anyway, like, like losing weight or something like that, that you, you just need to construe that and think, am I doing this to glorify God? Or how do I do this to glorify God? And even just that shift in attitude will change how you approach it. And it needs to always be somehow connected with how many glorify God, even if that just means thinking in terms of, okay, I'm trying to steward my body well, or uh, if it's a financial goal, well, I want to be a good, a good uh, steward of these financial resources, but consciously thinking, how does this contribute to God's glory? So not only does this way of thinking impact what goals we choose, but the second thing is it impacts how we go about executing on those goals. And that's almost equally important. It's not just what goals you choose, but how you engage with them. Uh, not pursuing shortcuts when they present themselves to you. Not giving up prematurely because all oh, the going got tough. No, when you when you connect your goal with your greatest purpose on earth, it actually motivates you and and there's more of a reason not to quit because it's not just about satisfying your own ambition. It's about I want to glorify God with this. And I really believed that this undertaking, was important for that. And so you'll keep going. Um, and it also means in, in the, how you execute on goals that it's going to involve you seeking God's help at every juncture. You will bathe your goals with prayer throughout the whole process at every stage. If you're thinking in terms of how does this goal contribute to God's glory? Now, let me just talk you through one more way of thinking about this that has been helpful to me personally. And how how do we connect God's glory with our goals? How how do those fit together? And here's just another sort of illustration of how those two work in tandem. Uh, God's glory functions as our destination. It determines the direction of your productive efforts. Right? So if we, if we cast this again in, in nautical terms, which for some reason, I always use nautical imagery in this, but you, you're, you're setting sail. Where are you going? W- what have you marked the X on the map? Where is that? What's the end destination of this voyage? It's going to be the glory of God. So you need to have some sort of end destination in mind. And that's what God's glorious. It points you in a direction. And what that means is it limits your options for courses you'll take. It limits your option of the goals you'll pursue because just like a, uh, a ship's captain can't go any which way to get to a destination. There are better ways that actually lead you there. You can't just set a goal in the opposite direction. You need to be headed in the right direction. So if God's glory is our destination, well, then what are goals? Goals are your waypoints they help you to chart a course toward that end destination of God's glory. You know, when um captains of boats are trying to get somewhere, they will set these uh waypoints. They'll mark points on the map that are on their way to get to that final phase. And our final phase, our final destination on the map is well done, good and faithful servant, right? This is what we're going for, glory. But the way we get there is through the waypoints of individual goals, each of them in service of this other thing. So think about this temporally. This is this is a timeline here, left to right. What goal am I going to pursue next? And then after that, what goal will I pursue now? And then you finish that. What goal will I do next? All these are different ways that help us on our mission to reach that final destination and so goals are us charting a course and then let's add one more element into this so if we're talking about uh, the final destination which is God's glory and we're talking about the waypoints as we chart that course being our goals well the day-to-day part what is that that is our habits and to carry through with the nautical imagery your habits are your oars. they are what propel you toward your goals. We'll talk more about this in a moment about the relationship of habits and systems to goal setting, but I just want the image to be complete in your mind. You have a destination, God's glory. You have charted the ways that you're going to help yourself get there. Those are your goals. And now what are you doing? Each day you're putting in the work, you're rowing the oars. I actually borrowed this or analogy from James Clear. He's the author of Atomic Habits. And he gave some examples of how goals relate to habits. So he says, for example, if you're a coach, your goal is to win a championship, but your system or your habits is what your team does in practice practice each day. Uh, if you're a writer, your goal is to write a book, but your system or your habits are the writing schedule that you follow each week. See, it's not that one of these is preferable to the other. That's that some people put these in opposition. They say, well, you can either be focused on habits or goals. No. They work in tandem with each other. The the goal is where your your next waypoint is. You're trying to finish this thing. And, and of course, connected to your larger purpose of glorifying God. But the habits, the habits are in service of some goal. You shouldn't have one without the other. In fact, you can't have one without the other. And that was just the other thing I would add in my mission to knock down this straw man that goals are bad. You can't put habits and goals in opposition to each other. Your ha- the reason you start a habit is your goal. If you have some habit of, I'm just going to do this every day, I don't need a goal. Okay. Well, you have to have, there's some reason you're doing that. And the reason is your habit. There's a reason you show up to practice each day. There's a reason you're working out. You might have that goal super well-defined in your mind or written down somewhere, but there is something motivating you to do that. Those things are not totally disconnected. And I would just add an illustration that if, if you're a Christian and your goal is more Christ-likeness, then your system... For reaching that goal is daily Bible reading, it's fellowship, it's prayer. These are the habits you put in place. James Clear actually puts this really succinctly. He says, goals determine your direction, systems determine your progress. So if we were going to add habits into our illustration of how goals connect to our chief goal of glorifying God, here's one way to think about it. Our main aim is to bring God glory. It's that well done, good and faithful servant. It's a life well lived. It's I, I honored God with my life. I glorified him. And to do that, I've set these waypoints. This is my destination. These goals are my waypoints and each one of them I'm trying to bring to conclusion. I'm trying to do it well in service of him, but beneath each goal or really the, the way I reach these goals, That can, that's where habits come in. That's where systems come in. That's where you are repeating processes that help you to reach these goals. So these things are not unrelated. In fact, they're completely intertwined. They're inseparable. The way that you write a book, if that's your goal is by having a writing habit, the way that you grow in sanctification as a Christian and get over that besetting sin is by creating habits of daily time in the word, habits of prayer, habits of fellowship with the saints. Every goal requires habits or systems that are going to help you to accomplish it. And every goal should be in service of glorifying God. Okay. So next we're going to turn our attention to how do we actually put this into action? How do we make a framework that's going to force us to think about our goals this way and create those systems that are going to help us to reach them and be able to check in along the way to make sure we're actually making progress. So in the next segment, we're going to talk about how to set good goals. Welcome back in this segment, we're going to be talking about how to set goals. So we've gone through how to think about goals biblically. Now let's go through a process for how you would actually create a good goal and one that you might actually, hopefully, Lord willing, accomplish. So first, um, we need to plan for your goals. This is a constant running theme in pretty much everything I talk about productivity related, and that's that You just need to plan like 99% of our productivity problems would be solved. If we just did a little bit of planning each week, and that's no different when it comes to this matter of setting goals, we need to plan for our goals. In fact, researchers have found that people are two to three times more likely to stick to their goals. If they make a specific plan for how to accomplish them. So here's really three steps to that process. The first one is evaluate your goal. So say you have a goal in mind. There's something you think you want to accomplish. Well, the first step for a Christian should be to run that thing through the ringer and really think hard about, is this a good goal? So how would you do that? Well, the first question is, does this goal line up with scripture, right? You You don't want to do something that's sinful. Uh, you don't want to do something that's just so out of bounds for a Christian that it's pointless even. So make sure that you're asking yourself, is this a Christian goal? Is this something that'd be appropriate for me to do as a believer? Next, you want to ask God (laughs) about this goal. You want to spend some time in prayer. You want to commit your plans to the Lord. Um, this means laying it on the altar as we've said before, it's saying, Lord, if this is not what you would have me do, please make that plain to me, asking him for wisdom in that goal and asking for his blessing on it, asking that the Lord would help your plan to prosper. And even here at the planning stage, and then after you pray over your goal, ask okay, how will I bring God glory through this goal? If the main objective of our goals is that they are a vehicle for bringing God glory with our lives, well, hey, make sure you're actually stating that plainly. And we'll look at this in just a moment. When we get to the part about uh, putting this all together and using the worksheet that is in your workbook, we'll actually force ourselves through a process that asks this specific question. Next, after you have evaluated your goal and you say, yes, this is something I want to go with. This is something that I want the Lord to prosper. This is something I want to commit to. And you're kind of giving yourself the green light. Let's do this. Well, the next step is you need to make it a smart goal. So you may be familiar with the phrase smart goals. If you've read much productivity literature, it's a very common expression. Uh, It actually comes from, there was this guy, George T Doran, who was a consultant and a former director of corporate planning for Washington water power company. And he came up with this framework and it's actually super helpful, um, And I've modified it a little bit to kind of Jesusify it a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't put it that way, but to, to put a Christian framework around some aspects of it so that we make sure we're being deliberate, that we're glorifying God with our goals. So, SMART is an acronym. The S stands for specific. So, as you're making a goal, you need to make it clear Uh, a way to put that as a question would be what state do I want to achieve, right? That we're, we're thinking in terms of outcomes. What do I want to have done with this goal? Next, you want to make it measurable, uh, which is to say it should be quantifiable. There should be numbers associated with it. Um, the big one for this really is to ask the question, how will I quantify progress? and it's going to depend on the goal that you're tackling, how you might do this. Um, I'm going to give an example in a little bit here about how you might do this with a writing goal by having a certain number of words per day. Uh, if you had an exercise goal, it might be a number of days per week that you plan to work out. Um, There's many, many different ways you can quantify your goals, but good goals have to have some way of being measured. Why? Well, two reasons. One, you'll never know when it's actually done, so you can't actually meet the goal. So it doesn't actually function as a goal. And the second is you want to be able to measure the progress as you go, because that serves as an encouragement. It also serves as a a feedback loop to tell you if maybe you're being too ambitious with what you're trying to accomplish, or maybe you need to tweak things to meet the goal. So make sure that you're making your goals measurable. And then the A in smart is achievable. Make it realistic. Um, what resources do I need to reach this goal? Do I have those resources? can i realistically procure the resources that i don't have right you, you hear a lot of talk about people maybe for the expression b it's an acronym as well big hairy audacious goals b hag um, and that's the idea that you should set super ambitious uh, goals you know because because even if you shoot for the moon and you miss at least you land among the stars and Look, I don't have a problem with setting big ambitious goals that you're, that you're aiming for, but one thing you can do is sort of cut the rug out from under yourself from the very start. If you set goals that are quite literally impossible or even just implausible. And the reason I put this in terms of, of realistic, um, I'm sorry, I put it in terms of resources, is because that's what we mean by this. It doesn't mean, is this goal possible for someone to do, right? Um, you know, you, you want to be an NBA champion is your goal. Well, people become NBA champions, but you know, you probably won't, if we're being honest. Uh, so you got to make sure it's within your reach. And that means thinking in terms of resources. Do I have what it takes to achieve this. Do I, do I have the support system? Do I have the time? Um, do I have the requisite skills? And then asking if I don't have some of those, can I get them to reach this goal? You're forcing yourself through a thinking process that's gonna allow you to assess the realisticness of the goal that you're trying to go after. So yes, yeah, set big goals, but make sure that they're not impossible. <laughs> And then the R in SMART is relevant. Make it matter. Make it matter. Um, really, the, the big question I would ask with this one as a Christian is, how does this goal contribute to my calling? So, so in a broader sense, how can I glorify God with this goal? That's a great question to ask from the start. But in a narrow sense, how does this contribute to my specific calling? What the Lord has made me to do? You know, again, I don't know why I'm going to all these basketball analogies, but I don't personally have a goal of shooting 5,000 free throws per week because I'm not a basketball player. It's not one of my domains of stewardship. More on that in a moment. So you got to make sure that you're choosing goals that glorify God in the domains in which he's placed you in the areas in which he has called you to serve. So this is, this, again, it has a very narrowing effect on the goals that we choose. It's gotta be something that matters in meeting your long-term goal of glorifying God or your ultimate goal of glorifying God, and also is within the specific areas of stewardship, which the Lord has given to you. And finally is time bound. The T in smart is time bound, make it stop. <laughs> uh, that's kind of a joke, but the idea there is that you need to make goals that actually have some end to them. Uh, goals without an end date are just wishes. They're just vague ambitions. Uh, some, something that makes a goal, a goal is that it's specified in time. You will know if you hit it or not. And like I said, in the previous segments, look, you may not hit your goals. You may not actually hit that deadline, uh, but you will get much closer to it than you would have if you didn't set a goal, uh, a, a time bound your goal. So I definitely encourage you. I think this is a absolutely helpful acronym I use it for every goal I'm setting and I'm going to show you in a little bit here, how you can take this acronym and walk through a process that asks you questions so that your goal is crystal clear in your mind and you know exactly what the next action steps are. But before we move on to showing you how this works in action, we need to look at this last point on planning for your goals. And that is to plan the projects and habits that will advance you toward your goal. You have to make a plan for how you will accomplish this goal. It's not enough to just articulate it on paper even and to write it all down and say, here, this is exactly my smart goal. Okay. What are you going to do each day to get you there? Those are the habit side. What are, what are the projects, the little sub parts of your goal? They're going to make sure that you're making progress on this week after week. we got to get those specific. We got to get those locked in. Here is where um, this will sort of intersect with to-do list done right. If you haven't taken that course, I highly encourage you to because um, this whole thing of goal setting will butt up against uh, making projects and accomplishing tasks. So these two fit together very, very nicely. They're not the same thing. We're articulating a goal here and then we're deciding on projects to get us to that goal, but how you actually manage and advance those projects is all part of to-do list done right. So make sure you check that out uh, if you wanna know how to actually get through those projects and keep those moving. I mentioned briefly just a few minutes ago that researchers found that people were two to three times more likely to stick to their goals when they made specific plans for them. Um, specifically, the type of plans that help you reach your goal are those when, where, and how aspects of it. Really, really crystallizing what the goal is and how you'll know that you can actually meet it. Uh, There was this study in the the British journal of health psychology, and it's very interesting, actually, they found that 91% of people who planned the, their intention to exercise by here's the key by writing down when and where they would exercise each week, 91% of them ended up following through. Meanwhile, people who, instead of making a specific plan, they just had them read motivational material about exercise, but they didn't make a plan. They actually showed no increase compared to the control group. So are you following what I'm saying here? This group, right? All these people were charged with, uh, exercising at least one time per week. The control group did nothing than the nor- differently than they normally would have this, uh, group just read motivational literature. But the one that followed through were the people that wrote down just when and where they would exercise each week. That's all they did differently. And look at that massive increase and the, the point of this study or, or the, the takeaway from this study, I should say is about motivation motivation comes not through, you know, just woo, 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 getting yourself pumped up, reading about, you know, um, you know, exercise inspiration, if that's your thing, or, you know, if I'm, I'm writing right now. So I, I don't just read about writing and get myself pumped up to write. No, it comes from specific plans. That's the best motivation. The best chance of following through is by having a plan. There was actually a different study. This one was done where, they, uh, were seeing how they could increase voter turnout. What were the things they could do to help people actually show up to vote in the elections and they were blown away that they just had to ask them three simple questions and the numbers were astronomically higher. If they went to talk to people who were planning to vote and they asked them, what route are you taking to the polling station? What time are you planning to go and what bus will you take to get there? Those people by far were more likely to actually show up and vote. All they needed was a specific plan where they had visualized themselves going through the details of what it would take to actually get out and vote. And that's what we're doing when we set smart goals. We're forcing ourselves to go through the details in advance so that We're not trying to figure them out on the fly. We have a map for ourselves. We're basically drawing a map. And all I have to do after I make that plan is follow it. Taking a little time to plan can save you so much grief in the long run, and it will actually help you accomplish your goals, motivation and willpower. They are great when we have them, but they are fickle and they are ultimately unhelpful in achieving long-term goals. Motivation needs to be transformed into a plan. And plans need to be mapped to systems and habits and projects. Here's kind of how I think about it. You set this goal. And once you have articulated that goal, that, that needs to be formed into a plan. Or like I said, a map of how you're actually going to get to the X on the map. And then that plan needs to be mapped to habits. What are the things I'm going to do each day? What are the projects? What are the tasks I'm going to do to complete that? And when you do that, you will find yourself more readily achieving your goal. And in fact, if you've taken my course on morning routines, power mornings, this is exactly why that works. It is why morning routines are so wonderful because they give you a natural cue built into every day. It is a specific plan at a specific time in a specific place where you do the same thing over and over again. So if you've taken that and you found that it's been transformative in your life, it's just because you made a plan and you can apply this to your goals as well and other things. So for example, maybe your goal is i want to lose 30 pounds by July 1st. Well, that's great. You put, um, uh, you quantified it and you put a time bound date on it. July 1st. That's a fine goal. You know, many people will say weight loss goals are not helpful. I understand there's reasons people say that, but, uh, even if you don't meet that goal, it's something to shoot for. And you have a specific um, date in mind when you want to hit it. So then you work backwards. You make a plan. Okay. What am I going to do? All right. I need to go to the gym. I need to make a schedule, which days, what time, what equipment do I need? If I'm working out from home, uh, or, or gym equipment, like clothes, shoes, what all do I need? Make an exact plan, visualize yourself walking through what it will be like to get to the gym, and make it happen. And then turn that plan into routines. Your exact routine. What time will I wake up? Who will I go with? Where will I keep my gym clothes So it's ready to go each morning. All you're doing is just taking a few extra minutes and saying, if this goal is really worth doing, why don't I make a plan to make sure it actually happens? And then after I make that plan, why don't I make specific routine, specific habits that are going to allow me to do that each day and get closer to that goal. Okay. Now let's talk about where to set goals and by where I mean, in what areas of life? What parts of your life are really ripe for goal setting? Uh, You know, we have a lot of different things we're responsible for in life. And I like to categorize things a little bit uh, just to keep some order to it. So I don't just have goals that are randomly uh, disconnected from my responsibilities. Let me show you what I mean. I've talked about this before, um, and it's this concept of domains of stewardship. But I want to go a little bit more in depth with it. Um, the six domains of stewardship, as I see them are your spiritual life that I have it here as walk with the Lord, your relationships, your career slash calling, your health, your finances, and your recreation. I find these to be really, really helpful categories for thinking about my different aspects of the responsibility. I just think having a very neat little division between these just can be so, so helpful. And one of the ways that it's helpful is that it makes sure that you're not uh, loading up all your goals just in one category. You know, sometimes you can find that all of your goals are actually just in the uh, finance part of your life. It's like, oh, wow, only have finance goals. Well, you're not going to be making progress in your relationships if you do that. Um, or maybe you can neglect your spiritual or your health. So having your domain set up like this just gives you a little bit of visibility of saying, okay, I've got goals in different parts of my life. I'm making sure that I'm growing in all areas and not just one. Uh, the domains of stewardship are also super helpful for, um, dividing up your files and your, um, life digitally. I use the domains of stewardship to divide up my file system, on computer, or even my notes software. You can use this anywhere where you keep information. It just is a simple framework that allows you to have a little bit of order to your life and of course to your goals as well. Now I did this a little bit in my, Uh, training on how to plan your year. I talked a little bit about how these different things relate to each other, how our goals relate to projects, tasks, God's glory, all of that. I'm hoping that this is maybe a better way of illustrating it to make it more clear. So in this illustration at the very top, you have God's glory, right? That's our chief end. That's the thing we're aiming for. We are Everything else we do below that is all contributing to that one singular aim, which is to bring God glory with our life. But the reason I laid them out like this is because it also helps us to understand the big picture. God's glory is sort of the biggest picture. I borrowed this idea from David Allen. He talks about in his book, getting things done. He talks about these as horizons. He has them ordered, um, Quite a bit differently than I do, but I like the term horizons because it speaks to um, how far you can see. So when in your thinking, you climb all the way up to the top to God's glory, that's when you're looking the furthest. You're basically looking out towards eternity and thinking in terms of how do I map my life so that it's maximizing God's glory, right? But then down from that, you're thinking in terms of domains. Okay. What are the different responsibilities I have? I have this whole life. That's all meant to glorify God, but how do I segment it up so that each part is bringing God's glory, my health, my finances, my relationships, right? So it's, it's a lower horizon. Under that is where I place goals in my thinking goals are the different, um, um, things that I'm pursuing in each of these domains. So it's, it's just one level lower than that. And then projects are a level lower than that. Projects are the individual multi-step, um, things you do that get you closer to your goal. And so if you wanted to chop these up by time, you might say God's glory is all of life. So that's, you know, from now until you die, uh, domains are ongoing. These are also all of life, but they're kind of segmented a little bit differently. And sometimes they come and go, you know, maybe your career, um, ceases to be a, a domain for you when you retire. So they're a little bit shorter term, but they contribute to all of life and to God's glory. And your goals are maybe multi-year things, right? So I have some five-year goals I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Projects could also be multi-year, but they tend to be less than a year. Um, in, in my, in how I define them, they tend to be things that take less than a year to accomplish and the tasks and the habits are the daily and the weekly things you do that helps you accomplish projects. And then those help you accomplish goals. These are within domains and all of them serve this overarching thing of glorifying God. So a quick example with these is we might say that, uh, going up to our domain, let's talk about, um, doing something within calling. So maybe my goal would be, so let's do a quick example of what this might look like in practice. So for domains, let's say we want to do a goal within our calling. Okay. That's uh, one of our domains of stewardship is calling. So for me, my calling is to speak and write about the subject of personal productivity from a Christian worldview. That's what I believe is my calling from God. So I'm pretty clear on that already. And that's one of my areas that I really need to make sure I'm setting goals in. And so what's a good goal for that? Well, I want to publish a third book. I have actually a very long-term goal of publishing five books in five years and I want to start thinking towards, okay, how do I get that third book done? as I'm, I'm wrapping up the manuscript for the second one as we speak. So what uh, projects might I put under that? Well, I'm going to put submit proposal to three publishers. I need to, I need to get the word out. I need to find out if, uh, if I can get a contract for this, because without a contract, I'm not going to publish it. And there's okay. So that's a good project. What are some of the tasks and habits? that are going to help me contribute to that. Well, tasks would be to complete an outline of the book because you need that in a proposal, uh, come up with a working title. That's always helpful. If you have a a title suggestion (laughs) and then a habit would be write 500 words per day, make sure I'm making a little bit of progress every day on this proposal. Okay. So, so I have a very clear articulated vision about how I'm going to go from, uh, my daily, what I do each day and connect that to a goal. And it's very clear in my mind, how that contributes to this calling God's put on me and that calling is very clearly connected in my mind to how I glorify God with my life. And so you see this kind of cascading, um, structure in your mind. And I, I don't know if this is helpful for you, but this has just been so helpful for me in thinking about how everything I do is glorifying God, because guess what? In the moment, this gives you tremendous motivation. The plan, like I said before, the plan gives you motivation because you know exactly what to do, but having like that line drawn really clearly in your mind all the way from this, this silly habit of, oh, I need to exercise today or, oh, I need to write 500 words. I don't feel like it. No, I can draw a straight line from that to how I'll glorify God with my life and how I do that in the, in the way that, that God has specifically designed me to do. That's tremendously motivating and it kind of gets you out of the doldrums when you just pause to think, no, this habit matters today. No, this task seems mundane, but it matters because I see how it connects to my purpose and bringing God glory with all of my life. So this framework has been very, very helpful to me. Hopefully it's helpful to you as well. Next, we're going to talk about how to actually put all of this together. And I'm going to walk you through the workbook and that exercise I have in there about setting up a goal. So I'll see you in the next segment. Okay. In this segment, we are going to put it all together. We're going to take what we've been doing with talking about goal setting. And we're going to walk you through the exercise that is in your workbook that's you can use this as many times as you want. If, if you're using this as a, as paper, I encourage you to print this page out a bunch of times. If you find it helpful, uh, or put it in your favorite note-taking app, just the prompts in there, something like that, so that you can work your way through this because I've, I've tried to emphasize this throughout, but forcing yourself through a little rubric like this can seem tedious, but it pays for itself down the line over and over and over again. Just take the time to work your way through these questions and you will have a clearer goal and you'll be much more likely to actually accomplish it. So let's take a look at how this works in your workbook. That's what the page looks like. Uh, if you want to flip to it, I don't remember what page it's on right now, uh, but flip over to that page that looks a little bit like that. And we'll work through these together with some examples. Okay. Let's go through, um, this goal together. So the first step is to give you your goal, a name, um, a name is really, really helpful because, uh, it's kind of the first step towards clarifying what this is you're actually shooting for. Uh, don't just leave it nebulous give it a name and this will hopefully follow it all the way through the process until you get complete. So I'm going to call this goal, publish third book. Very clever title. And then the second thing you want to do is target a completion date. You can change this um, down the road. Uh, even as you get to the bottom of this, you may realize, you know what, this is going to take longer than I thought. Come up and change it. That's fine. But it's really important to put a target date on this. That's the T in SMART goals. Remember, it's got to be time bound. First, review date. This has been a very powerful thing for me, and that's to put reviews on my calendar. I do quarterly reviews and if you're part of our Reading Me Productivity Academy, we do quarterly reviews together and this will be part of what we do. So we're going to remind you when these quarterly review events are coming up and you'll have a natural time to review this and kind of workshop it with other people in the academy. But whether you do that, or even if you're doing this on your own, it's really, really helpful to have some review dates on there uh because sometimes you get distracted stuff comes up and you never come back to them if right now you plan and you put a reminder on your calendar for when you're going to review it you're much more likely to come back to it even when the hiccups of life kind of disrupt you Right here, you're also going to want to write down exactly which domain of stewardship you're contributing to. So remember mine was calling. If this was an exercise goal, you'd say health. If it was a relational goal, you'd say relations. You get the idea. If you have a filing system, this is a great thing to store away is put your goals in your filing system. Or if you keep it digitally, like I do have a little spot where you keep your goals, you'll have an idea of what you currently have targeted to complete and whether you are evenly distributing them across your different domains of stewardship. Next here is where you are going to do the S of the smart goals. You're going to make it specific. How will I know I've reached this goal? So for this one, I wrote when I'm holding a copy of the published book in my own hands, which actually I just today got a copy of my first book and I'm holding it in my hands is the first time I've seen it. So that's pretty cool. So I know this is done. (laughs) I, I like to make this the very last thing in, in the goal. I I don't want to make my goal for this one, for example, getting a publishing contract because they're not really done. I actually have to still write the stinking book. Once you have the contract, I I like it something that's totally final. And if it's physical, that's even better when I'm actually holding the book in my own hands, I'll know I've reached the goal and I can kind of cross it off my list. If you took our to-do list done right course, you'll know that we talked about uh, a definition of done for your projects. This is the same concept, but it's one level up at goals. You need a definition of done. You need to know and have real clear in your head when this thing's actually complete. That's going to help you from quitting too early. It's going to help you to just have that visual, uh, motivator of no, no, I'm not done. That's the finish line. That right there is the finish line. And until I cross that, this goal is incomplete. And next is really important to all of this. And like I told you, this is, this is making it relevant. Uh, two parts of this are making it relevant. One, the domain of stewardship that makes sure you're, you're doing goals that are relevant to your life and your, uh, mission from God, but also is it relevant? Uh, does it glorify God? That's the most relevant question you can ask. And so I I say you should really include exactly how this helps you glorify God. So here I put by encouraging the church to live, lives focused on honoring Christ in their work, home and community. So this is part of my personal mission statement for my calling with redeeming productivity through my writing and and speaking and all that. I'm going to glorify God when I publish my third book, because my goal is to encourage the church to live lives that are focused on honoring Christ in their work, home and community. I think this book is going to contribute to that. So just make it super clear. Again, this is just for your own benefit. But man, thinking about that, that's going to give you the courage. That's going to give you the motivation when the days get dark and you're kind of waning. You're like, why did I make this goal in the first place? Uh, Right there. That's why you made the goal, because you exist to glorify God. Next, let's move down the page a little bit. Let's see if this works. Oh, yeah. I'm the king of keynote. Look at that. Did you see that animation? Let's see it again. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, uh, for this is as fun for you as it is for me. <laughs> Let's keep going. Okay. So this part, um, we're going to deal with this area right here. Um, and this is dealing with the achievable aspect of goal setting of the smart goals. Remember the a was achievable. What resources do I need to reach this goal? Well, okay. I need a few resources and, and I only put five bullets here, but you can put a lot more or a lot fewer. You don't have to use all of this. It's just to jog your thinking. I need a publisher. I can't publish without a publisher. I could self-publish, but that'd still be a publisher. Let's not get into details on that right now. I need a computer. I need uh, writing time, right? That's a resource time. How? When will I actually do this book? What resources do I need? Uh, a good book idea. <laughs> that seems pretty uh, essential. What am I going to write about? When am I going to write it? How am I going to write it? All right, these are the questions I'm asking myself, and that's what I'm answering here in this area outside readers, who is going to help me make this thing better? Who's going to refine it? Who's going to help me edit it? And then in this second box over here, little arrows say, okay, do I have these things? And if not, how will I procure them? So for some of these, you're not going to have them. Uh, I want to get an agent this time around, let's say, instead of going direct, I want to get an agent and have them shop it around for me. Um, I have a computer all set there. Don't need to worry about it. Writing time. I've got it. My morning routine uh, has part of it dedicated to writing a good book idea. I've already got an idea outside readers. Maybe I could ask the Redeeming Productivity Academy community if any of them would want to be a reader and give me feedback as I'm writing the chapters, right? So you you see yourself already forming this plan. You've taken this goal from just this, this soft, mushy, squishy idea that's in your head and you're turning it into action. You're turning it into a clear vision. You start to get excited. At least I do during this part where I'm turning this this goal into, wait, I, could, I can see myself completing this. I, I know it, what it's going to look like along the way. I know what it's going to look like when it's done. I have a plan forming. How do I quantify my practice? progress that deals with the measurable aspect of our goal setting. So for me, I've said that I'm going to quantify progress on this goal by writing 500 words per day, every weekday, I'm going to put X's on a calendar for every day that I hit this daily writing goal. That's a great little measure. A lot of writers use this plan to make sure that they are actually doing a little bit each day to get them towards the goal of finishing the book, or in this case, getting the proposal done. What projects or habits will help me reach this goal? Writing daily. So that's, I'm also going to quantify that, but this is one of the habits, writing daily, that's going to help me reach that goal. Outlining the project. Uh, creating projects for each of the chapters. So here, here's where it starts to transition from goal into habits and projects, where I'm establishing this daily, I'm going to, okay, I need a daily writing habit. How am I going to set that up? And then I need these projects. I need this one to outline it. I need this one for each chapter. I'm going to start putting those into my to-do list manager or my my task manager. Again, if you don't know how to manage tasks, you don't know how to do projects and make sure you get those done on time, check out the course to-do lists done right that goes into how you would kind of transition from goal. When you have this, these projects here that you need, you know, are going to help you meet your goal to making the tasks and getting them done each day. So that's how you take your goal and sort of flesh it out using that workbook. I would really, really encourage you. If you watch that free seminar, I gave on planning your new year. You hopefully, if you followed along, you wrote down five goals for the year. I'd encourage you to take this workbook, take the number one goal, the one that you really want out of those five to get done this year and take it through this process, work it through this simple worksheet so that you go from vague to specific, and you actually know what you need to do to get that stuff done because part of goal setting to the glory of God involves making plans for how you'll actually accomplish those goals so that God gets more glory and you get more done.